and the relative humidity is standing at 89%. And that's the news from RTHK. Hello, this is Back Chat, and I'm Andrew Work. And I'm Jim Gould. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about Hong Kong's water supplies after the city recently activated a new desalination plant. Located at Cheungpano, the facility supplies about 5% of the SAR's demand for fresh water. That will increase to 10% once a second phase is operational. The opening of the new plant comes after Hong Kong officials signed a new three-year water supply agreement with Guangdong in December. The Secretary for Development, Bernadette Lin, has said that desalination is important to the water's, uh, territory's water security, given that climate change could affect existing mainstays like the Dongjiang River. But the minister was clear that desalination would not replace the city's main water sources, citing high consumption and costs and heavy operating costs. And after 9.40, we're going to get the latest from the Consumer Council on complaints from football fans seeking to get their money back over the giant and messy, messy mess. Call us with your wet questions or messy thoughts on 233-88266. What's up? Us on 6899-8518. You can comment on our Facebook page, or you can email us, of course, at backchat at rthk.hk. And getting into it with the stuff of life, uh, we welcome today in our studio Dr. Frederick Lee, the Executive Director from the Center for Water Technology and Policy at the University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Dr. Lee. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning. Well, yeah. Uh, on the line, we've got Lawrence Yu, who's the Executive Director at Civic Exchange. Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning, Lawrence. Uh, so, Dr. Lee, kick us off. We've got a new desalination plant coming online in Hong Kong. This has been a long time coming. And not our first desalination plant, though. Can you give us a little bit of the background of desalination in Hong Kong and what, why this is important to have this one now? Um, you asked me for uh, some like historical background. I think we, uh, uh, Hong Kong uh, built the uh, first diesel plant operational in the 1970s, at, exactly in 1977. It went to operation for about eight months, and then it stopped because of the cost of oil went up mm. by eight times. Okay, mm, So yeah. the cost of production just become very unaffordable. Yeah, So they stopped the production of um, uh, fresh water by uh, burning, basically boiling, okay, uh, right. seawater, yeah. Now, the desalt plant that's being built or that's being completed, uh, may I add a footnote to what uh, uh, Jim said earlier? Um, right now, the design capacity is 5%. 5% of what? 5% of the total fresh water demand in the year 2020. Now, in the year 2020, mm. it's around 1,000 million cubic meter MCM. So let's remember that unit, okay, million cubic meter. Now, so 5% equal to uh, 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 that uh, uh, total fresh water demand in the year 2020. So it's a working number. Meaning what? Meaning the first phase of the dissolved plant, the capacity is 50 million cubic meter. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on a standby basis. Meaning if there's a lack of water, either locally rainwater, there's a shortfall in rain, uh, uh, local rain, uh, rainwater, um, uh, and or there's a shortfall in terms of the import of water from the East River, then they will kick in. Uh, produce uh, 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 producing fresh water through the uh, dissolved plant up to 15 million cubic meter. Okay, mm. doesn't mean that it's going to go into operation right away. Okay, mm. so uh, just for the sake of listeners who might not realize, the, the East River is the Dongjiang River, right? Oh yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, the East yeah, River yeah, is the yeah, Dongjiang yeah, River. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, so we've got it. So we've got it, but it's not going to be running at full capacity all the time. It's you're, what I'm hearing is that it's a backup supply to kind of smooth out. Demand is that right? Uh, it's a backup supply, just in case there's an emergency. Okay, that's a, 
because it's the most expensive option. I mean, why, why would you go for the most expensive option when there are lower cost options available? How much more expensive? Uh, give you a ballpark figure. We don't have um, now uh, the comparable figures. Uh, the lower cost options include what we use. I mean, we, we're using uh, fresh water. Uh, for example, in the case of Hong Kong, yeah, again, need to add some kind of footnote. Yeah, 85% of the households are using seawater flushing, but about 15% of the households in Hong Kong are using fresh water flushing. So when you use fresh water flushing, you can recycle that water. Many cities, many countries have recycled their Wastewater, okay, mm. for portable mm. and non-portable, mostly for non-portable. It's what they call grey grey water, uh, or is that different? A grey grey water, grey water referred to water that's being used in a bathroom. Okay, yeah. Right. So this is like wastewater, wastewater mm. basically from the toilet. Mm. Yeah. So uh, when you talk about uh, recycled water, uh, the cost is about sixty percent of uh, dissolved water. Mm. Yeah, but okay. it, but there's another even lower cost option in in terms of like, producing water, and that is to reduce the amount of water that's being lost from mm. the water system. Let me show system. you how we do stuff. Around. Yeah. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> so so how much more is desalination? Then is it twice as expensive as, for example, the Dunjiang River is seventy percent of our supply? Is it twice as expensive as that? Three times? Uh, now the the official figure is again is again is ballpark figure, right? So the total cost of production, um, uh, including in, including the price that we pay for Guangdong, okay, uh, including the uh, uh, what we call the the treatment cost, okay, is about like between let's say up to ten dollars, nine dollars fifty cents, okay, per cubic meter, okay. The dissolved water is about like twelve dollars fifty cents, and I think by now it's like thirteen dollars. Oh, okay. Update the figure. 25%. Uh, no, no. Update the figure. Okay. Just mm, okay. some update the figure. Yeah. Um, it's almost like the uh, stock market. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, update the figure. $13 per unit. Mm. The unit is cubic meter. Okay. Mm. For the salt. Mm. And then the import of water from Dongjiang is $11. Okay. All inclusive, meaning the price mm. that we pay Guangdong and also the German cost. Mm. Okay. Now, the, the desalination technology has changed over time, hasn't it? I mean, this, this plant is using a system called reverse osmosis. Could you explain to us uh, how that works exactly? Uh, reverse osmosis, uh, that, well, is basically it's a membrane. Yeah. Okay, right, so yeah. you force water through the membrane, seawater mm -hmm. through the membrane, mm -hmm. and then only, see, uh, only first water come up from the other side. I think that's what the, the most, you know, like Time Magazine explanation. Way. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. I can, yeah. So you that. use less yeah. energy than boiling uh -huh. seawater. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. We've got Lawrence Yu with us from Civic Exchange. Lawrence, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on this desalination plant? Is this... Is this is this a, is this a decent measure to have as a stopgap or to smooth out demand, uh, or is this an expensive white elephant? Lawrence, what do you think? So first of all, we need to understand about the climate context in around Hong Kong or in GBA, so that our rainfall actually is really um, dense during the it's really seasonal. So in summer or spring, we have a very strong rain. But during the winter, um, the rain actually is is a really uh, dry season for us. So that that um, the cell pan actually can serve us is really to smooth up the demand, and then also uh, yeah. But however, actually um, the the cell pan actually is even more energy intensive. But maybe I can give you some background about the WSD already. 
actually the energy consumption of the WSD is around 50% of the total government energy usage because pumping water around the city is so energy uh, intensive. And then for producing each meter cube of water, actually it requires at least six uh, from the diesel plant. It requires at least six to eight times that much more electricity as our current fresh water produce and distribute around the town. So that actually the desalination is a very energy intensive um, practice even though we are using the reverse osmosis. So that I definitely agree with um, Dr. Fred, um, is we need to really solve um, the like the flushing water issue and then also reduce the um, pipe leakage, which will be, should be our priority. Mm. Yeah, Dr. Lee, was, you're, you're keen to jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me add to what Lauren just said. Yeah. Now, the diesel plant is the answer to the question how could we ensure that there will be continuous supply of adequate water for Hong Kong? Okay. So basically in uh, climate change uh, terminology is an adaptation measure, meaning we adapt to okay, change climate in the future. Okay. We're just going to produce risk to our supply, water mm. supply. So we make sure that we're going to have sufficient options. Okay. To, to ensure, okay, this reliable water supply 24 seven. Okay. So it's adaptation. Now, Lauren just pointed out something which is very important, and that is the question that we should be asking is uh, what kind of actions should we take so that we can reduce the impact on the climate system? Meaning, what actions should we take so that we can reduce the amount of greenhouse gases emission? Mm. Action right. in terms of what? Action in terms of how we use water? Action in terms of how we design our water supply system? Then we have to consider not just adaptation, but mitigation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think there's something new. I mean, I think a, a lot of Hong Kong people uh, are not aware of, and that is domestic water use includes a lot of what, energy consumption, involves okay, a lot of energy consumption. So when, when you turn on the tap, usually also turn on the water heater. Okay. And our research mm-hmm. at Hong Kong U okay, has, found, uh, has, uh, has uh, um, uh, concluded that uh, in the year 2020, mm-hmm. Up to 10% of the city's greenhouse gases emission yeah. are caused by domestic water use. Ooh, okay. I mean, I not, not just because of the pumping, yeah. and but Hong- because of the water yeah. heating. heating. But, and Hong Kong has one of the highest per capita consumptions in the world, which blows my mind because we don't have lawns. <laughs> yeah, so now um, I, I think that's a, a very essential thing. It's 10% of greenhouse gases emission. Now, you've only count... Okay, the contribution of WSD, I mean the water supply department operation, the plumbing cost, what Lawrence has referred to, well, it may come for maybe like less than 1% of total greenhouse gas emission. Okay, but when you look at the entire sector, domestic water use sector, it's 10%. Mm. It's a lot. Mm. Yeah. So meaning what? Meaning if we can reduce the use of water through conservation by using more water efficient appliances, by reducing the time we spend in the shower, we can make a lot of contributions at the individual scale. Okay. Individual right. individuals can make a contribution to the reduction of greenhouse gas emission to have, a, have the impact at the global scale. Right. Okay. Quick, quick reminder, uh, you can call us at 233-88266 to join us. Uh, you can pose a question to one of our guests, which now includes Lung Wing Mo, the former assistant director for Hong Kong Observatory. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Mr. Lung. 
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I think you caught the tail end of that. Uh, we're talking about water in Hong Kong. Um, and, I, you know, you're formerly with the Hong Kong Observatory. One of the drivers of this new plant is climate change. Um, how much at threat are we of an unexpected event that could seriously impact Hong Kong's water supply? Is the Dong, are we going to have a year where the Dongzheng River dries up and everybody in Hong Kong and Guangdong is, you know, killing themselves to get the water? Or, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, what could happen, you know, from a is, uh, from meteorological point of view that would cause such a problem? Well, well forecasting, I mean, uh, long-term forecasting of uh, whether or not there would be drought in Hong Kong is always uh, very difficult. But never, nevertheless, uh, the Hong Kong Observatory has done some research on that. And um, as far as this century is concerned, uh, the uh, outcome of the research is that uh, for, um, uh, for extreme dry conditions, which uh, the definition is uh, the annual rainfall is less than 1,300 millimeter, uh, there could be two cases of such extreme dry events in Hong Kong in this century. So that worries me because um, I am older than most of you. <laughs> I have experienced the 1963 drought, which, which was really, really devastating. Uh, so um, I think we have to, to do something about that. And uh, I just heard, heard a little bit about the water threat. Uh, Dr. Lee has said uh, just now, I totally agree with Dr. Lee that um, uh, we should uh, try every means to conserve water. Mm. Uh, very good. Lawrence Yu also, or Lawrence Yu from Civic Exchange was also pushing that message. Um, two big events in this century, Lawrence, why are we spending on a desalination plant? Couldn't we just ship in some water for, you know, twice every hundred years? I mean, how, how important is it? I mean, at Civic Exchange, have you looked at the kind of disruption that kind of a drought would cause? Um, so I also would like to really take a step back and then also like if we want to ship um, the Come on, Lawrence, from- I want you to answer the question. I don't want you to take a step back. I want you to answer the question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it for a desalination plant if it's only going to be every twice in 100 years? I think definitely we should really like um, think about what is our water um, infrastructure um, structure that will be super important. So that the desal plant is one of the key um, um, infrastructure that's to enhance our adaptation for the future uncertainty. Because even now, we in the GBA, out of 11, eight out of 11 cities is already dry as middle east, according mm. to the World Bank water poverty mark. So that we definitely need to invest something for the extreme case to protect our citizen um, to make sure that the water security um, can be really ensured for Hong Kong because Hong Kong cannot really bear a risk that we cut off water like um, again for like the 1960 something yeah, yeah, so yeah that's 63 drought yeah 63 right yeah. Yeah. yeah, the sensitivity because I haven't born, so I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really experienced it. But we cannot really waste our citizen. So that the diesel plant is one of um, the key infrastructure for Hong Kong to ensure that we can really 
respond to the extreme case. I think this is a really practical and responsible uh, approach um, for um, from uh, for the Hong Kong government. Okay, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, Dr. Lee. Um, w- what about our own reservoirs? Of course, we've got sort of fairly large uh, bodies of water, high high island rev- reservoir, Plover Cove, places like that. They, I mean, they supply what around about. 20% of our water needs, is that right? Yeah, um, I, I think it's very important to differentiate local rainfall and reservoirs. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, the uh, the reservoirs in Hong Kong, um, of course, collect uh, local rainfall, right? So rain, local rainfall accounts for about 20%, roughly 20 to 30% of the total demand. Um, but then the reservoir also is a container, okay? Serves a container for imported water from Guangdong, from, from, from Dongjiang. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the water that we see in the reservoir, actually in the largest reservoirs, right. we have two, right, High Island and Prothokov, the water in those two reservoirs are mostly Dongjiang water. From the mm. Dongjiang River, right. And, okay. and, yeah. and I think that's a very important point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meaning what? <laughs> Meaning if there's actually a shortfall in rainfall, okay, the input of water more than make up for the shortfall in a local rainfall. Okay. Now, uh, let's get back to that question about are we going to um, face another 1963 drought situation in Hong Kong? Okay. So, uh, uh, okay, uh, Mr. Leung, uh, Wing Mo, yeah. he already said that based on research, okay, and I think using IPCC, IPCC referred to Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change. Yes, right. And they have yes, right. uh, all those uh, figures, okay, in my AR6, uh, it's the latest figures. And, and using those figures, uh, and then we can do modeling and project into the future and see what is the likelihood or probability, okay, that we're going to have a dry year like 1963, okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, the question oh, then oh, is, oh, the oh, question oh. then is, let's look at the larger picture, okay. Dissolved plants are usually built in desert areas. These oil plants are usually built in these areas to provide water supply. If there is a drought, not for one year, for 10 years, mm. for 15 years, for 20 years, forever, maybe in the desert, right? Mm. So Israel, they build this oil plant. Makes sense because they're in the desert. Mm. We are not in the desert, okay? Mm. So why are we building a plant that we might use once in 100 years, mm. okay? Now, that is one, that's argument number one, okay? It's questionable, right? Secondly, if there's a drought, okay, and I think Mogo was referring to this uh, number, right? 1,300 mm-hmm. million cubic meter. Uh, no, no, millimeter of water. Yeah, okay. Millimeter of uh, yeah. water, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in fact, uh, recently, okay, in the last like 15, 20 years, okay, there were droughts. Uh, 2011, there was drought. Do you know that, Jim? Are you aware of that? I mean, uh, I talk to my friends, I talk to my students, right? Yeah. <laughs> 99%, I would say 100% of the people in Hong Kong have no idea that 2011 was a drought sure. year, a dry well, year. There, there was, now, there the rainfall, the rainfall was, was what? It's yes, 1,500, yeah. 1,500. Yeah. Very close to what Mogota's quota, 1,500, yeah. okay? Yeah. yeah. Because what? Because the shortfall in the local rainfall in that year was made up more than by import of water. Are we going to have import water in the next 100 years? Okay, next 30 years, uh, next 20 years? Yes, of course. I mean, there's sub- sufficient water from the East, from Dongjiang, okay, for mm-hmm. Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Now, added to that supply, okay, Dongjiang water, mm-hmm. is a diversion project, or what we call a conversion, uh, it's basically like an interbasin transfer project, which was just completed about a week, two weeks ago. And that is in Guangdong. 
Uh, the Guangdong uh, Authority have already completed a project to divert uh, water from the West River into the eastern arc of the Provident region, meaning what they're connecting the West River with the East River, Dongjiang, mm. providing another emerging source of supply for Hong Kong. Mm. Conclusion, we have more than sufficient water. We do, but that's good to know. So, so you, you raise the fact that we had a drought, but I do remember at the time the conversation was, when is Guangdong going to cut us off? When are their priorities going to be more important than ours? Because right now we are first in line for that water from the Dongjiang River. Um, Lawrence, I know we've only got you to the half hour. What is the likelihood that Guangdong province is going to go to Beijing and say, hey, those guys in Hong Kong are rich enough to sort out their own water. They can import it. They can build desalination plants. Enough. You know, Hong Kong has gotten that, enough of that, our water. Time for Guangdong to step forward. Yeah, uh, um, Andrew, I'm going to disappoint you, okay? That is not oh. going to happen. That scenario is uh, there's no, it, because what Guangdong relies on that import of water for a major source of as a major source of revenue. Mm. Okay? Um, the, uh, the company, uh, um, Guangdong Investment uh, Corporation, okay, is, is their own uh, operation, okay, respond. And, and the price that we pay okay, for the Dongjiang water is a major source of revenue for that company. Okay? So, the, so as far as Guangdong is concerned, this commercial deal okay, is, is, is pastures. They're not going to touch it. Lawrence, yeah. Yeah, but then uh, let me also add to okay. um, maybe underline the concern about uh, whether Guangdong will cut off the water for Hong Kong is that somehow there is a belief, okay, or that somehow there's a perception that as the population increases, uh, increases, okay, in Guangdong, as the economy further develops in Guangdong, there will be increasing demand for water, and that's going to increase competition for water, and that may pace a risk for Hong Kong's water supply. Okay, now that may happen. Okay, mm -hmm. twenty years ago. When the economy, when the population was going up, okay, so total demand were, were, was also going up. But then that demand peaked already. Okay? So in the year 2003, and I have a figure for Guangzhou. Okay? Guangzhou is the uh, uh, capital city in Guangdong province. Yeah. <clears throat> After it peaked in 2003, total demand actually dropped. And that is a phenomenon mm. common to all global cities. Mm. As the economy developed, what happened sure. is that you have this change in the economy, economic structure, meaning you have, in the case of Guangdong, right? F factories move out, okay? Sure. So deindustrialization, <clears throat> Hong Kong has already gone through the process, mm -hmm. meaning mm -hmm. total demand would go down as population increase or economy grow because the economic structures have, have changed. Right. Is, is that how you see it, uh, Lawrence Yu? So I agree with um, Dr. Lee. Um, actually, we can see that um, the Guangdong actually did um, to manage um, the water resources is much better than Hong Kong because they, um, the water demand in um, Guangdong provinces is, um, especially in Guangzhou, is really like um, pitted and then is trying to go down in the previous um, from the previous years. Um, that is super, uh, and the overpopulation, um, actually we not really necessarily worry about uh, the Guangdong will cut off uh, the water to, um, to Hong Kong because 
acrobat to doctorly is is a pure um, commercial deal. But I still think that um, we need to really prepare for the worst case scenario because um, the climate change impact rate, as you remember that um, actually it's become more and more frequent and then it's more and more um, devastated like last year. Uh, we our uh, rainfall actually um, is really condensed in a certain period. Like last year, the bad rainstorm, our actually our reservoir is cannot really handle um, so much of water. So that what I think that is we need to have the infrastructure to respond to climate change. But uh, when we have an art, just a diversify, but mm. when we have other source, <clears throat> we can really like put it as a standby mode. Yeah, we've got it. We got to keep an eye on that, and especially when your your twice in a century events happen like five times in ten years. I mean, it seems to be happening more and more. Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, you, Executive Director for Civic Exchange. Thank you for joining us today. Stay with us. Uh, we have Dr. Frederick Lee from University of Hong Kong and Lung Wing Mo, formerly of the Hong Kong Observatory, uh, having a quick look at the weather before we take a quick break for the news. Cloudy with a few rain patches today. Moderate with fresh easterly winds. And a hot temperatures will linger around 18 degrees, according to my forecast. Right now, it's 18 degrees Celsius, 90% humidity here at Backchat. And now the news with Haley Yip. A patient's rights activist says if the government wants to address the long waiting times at accident and emergency departments during holiday periods, it should extend the hours of its general outpatient clinics. Alex Lam, chairman of Hong Kong Patients Voices, was commenting after authorities announced a new 10-day trial during the Lunar New Year break to give refunds to people attending A&E clinics. A U.S. federal court of appeal has ruled that Donald Trump does not have immunity from charges that he plotted to overturn his election defeat in 2020. Three judges unanimously rejected his claim that he couldn't be prosecuted because he was president at the time. He's alleged to have tried to stop the certification of the election result. And a door panel that blew off a Boeing 737 MAX shortly after takeoff may have been missing four bolts meant to secure it in place, according to a new report. The U.S. National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, has released the initial findings from its investigation into the accident, which occurred in the U.S. state of Oregon last month. I'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. The new regulation on disposable plastic products commences in phases starting from Earth Day, April 22, 2024. Catering and retail businesses no longer provide or sell disposable plastic tableware and nine types of disposable plastic products. Hotels also cannot supply disposable plastic toiletries and plastic bottled water for free to their customers. For details, please visit epd.gov.hk. Need help with something in your daily life? Care teams have been set up in all 18 districts in Hong Kong. Care teams consolidate community resources and forces, organize caring activities, assist in handling emergencies, and disseminate important information to the public. Consolidating resources, caring for the community. Visit the Home Affairs Department's website for further details. Hey. 
And you're back on Back Chat with Andrew Work and Jim Gould today talking about water. Just a reminder, you can call in and speak to us about this at 233-88266. Or you can try to sneak a call in for the second part of our show when we're going to be uh, speaking to the Consumer Council about the uh, the ongoing very messy, messy mess. Uh, and uh, so we're getting into today with Dr. Frederick Lee, who's the Executive Director at the Center for Water Technology and Policy at the University of Hong Kong, and Lung Wing Mo, former Assistant Director of the Hong Kong Observatory. Uh, Mr. Lung, in the first part of the show, told us that a big drought that could have an impact on Hong Kong's water supply is is currently predicted to be a twice-in-a-century type occurrence. Uh, Dr. Lee pointed out that we had one, actually, in 2011, and nobody seemed to notice, although, you know, some policy wonks definitely got their attention. But Lung Wing Mo, um, this twice-a-century observation, I mean, we keep hearing time and time again, whether it's blizzards on, on Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia or, you know, the flooding happening in California right now, that these once this is a once-in-a-century event, and we've had three in the past 10 years, 20 years. Um, how confident are you on those predictions, given that extreme weather events seem to be happening more and more often? I mean, drought, no, uh, drought big no. enough to impact our supply. Uh, uh, n- no one can be 100% certain or, or confident because uh, science is uh, is not an exact science. I mean, uh, particularly in weather forecasting and climate projection. Uh, but um, I mean, history is a very good reference because we have drought before. Uh, definitely, we can have drought uh, in the future. Uh, that is that is something that we can we can decision about. Uh, one thing that the, the scientific community agree upon is that uh, as the greenhouse gases, I mean carbon dioxide and things like that, increases uh, the severity and the duration of drought and anywhere in the whole world will increase. So as a matter of precautionary principle, I think we should try every means to ensure that Hong Kong has um, enough water supply. Mm. Uh, particularly during extreme uh, uh, situations. But but I want to go back a little bit because I probably I missed the very uh, first part of the discussion. Why are we talking desalination in the first place? Because that that plan is already <laughs> operational or, or near operational. So um, I mean I mean that the, the the whole point of discussion is how we can uh, minimize the operational cost and things like that. Because uh, since the whole thing has been built, uh, we, sh- we should use it uh, sometime in the future, particularly when we are lack of water. And so, so, so I, I think the discussion should focus on whether there are any other ways where we can enhance the water uh, security in Hong Kong and to minimize the operation of the uh, the, the, the the cause of operation of the desalination plant. Okay, okay. I think uh, Dr. Lee wants to jump in at this point. Yeah, I think Vimo uh, uh, make a really good point. Okay, so uh, the plant is already built, and um, uh, whether or not it's going to operation, um, well, my my guess is that I don't think we're going to. Do it. Turn it on, okay, anytime soon, yeah. Is, is it like and, an insurance policy? You, you, you pay for it, hoping yeah. you will never have to use it. Is it, is it kind of like that? Because it does seem like a shame for a major infrastructure project not to be used. Well, that's the argument, okay, when they ask for uh, money to build it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then we have to ask a question, okay, what's the opportunity cost, right, for that, uh, building that. But, but let's go back to a question that uh, Wing Mo just uh, asked to consider, and that is, are there any other options that we should consider, okay, in responding to a 
like a, a drought. Okay. And uh, as I said uh, earlier, about like 30 minutes ago, uh, there are other lower cost options that we can turn to. Okay. One is recycled water. But then given Hong Kong, given that Hong Kong is only, only, uh, only like 15% of the households using fresh water, fresh water for flushing. So that's the limit to what extent, to, to the extent that we can recycle water. Okay. As I mean, using recycled water as a source of water. Okay. Mm. Another major source of water is to reduce the amount of water that's being lost from our water supply system. Okay. Yeah, le- leakage. And leakage, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So you can you call it leakage. I think leakage is easier to understand, okay. Yeah. The technical jargon in Hong Kong is unmetered consumption. Okay. Now, when the water leaves the treatment plant, it's metered, meaning how much water is produced. Take about treatment plants, okay. And when the and, and when that tap water, okay, treated water reach the users in both the domestic and non domestic sector. Okay. It's also metered. Okay. So in between, okay, what you have is that you have meter consumption, mm. okay. How much actually used, okay? And how much is produced, okay, meaning that's also metered. Now, so you have a larger figure, right? What's so the, total, what's the total, gap? So okay, let's what's the put gap? it this way. Okay. Yeah. Total production. Yeah. Roughly, okay, for the past couple of years, okay, mm-hmm. rung up, okay, ballpark figure, one thousand mcm, okay, is the total fresh water demand. I mean, how much, okay, yeah, and then um, now this is what total total fresh water demand, okay, one thousand mcm, okay, mm-hmm. the immediate consumption, okay, in the year twenty twenty two twenty three, yeah, is about three hundred seventy mm-hmm. mcm, three seven zero. Is almost about one third. Mm. Now, now we call we call we call we call we call the capacity yeah. of our dissolved plants is fifty mm. mcm, yeah. meaning what? Meaning a meter consumption is seven times, yeah. seven times mm. the capacity of the dissolved plant. Mm. Right. Meaning, if we can reduce the amount of water that is being lost from our system, we can more than. Mm. Make up for shortfalls. Yeah, absolutely. Pipes and water mains. Yeah, we've got a we've got a caller on the line, Mark, who says he has a quick question for us before we bring this uh, section to a close. Mark, good morning. What's your question? Good morning. In, in the last two or three years, I remember RTHK saying three or four times that the East River was getting more and more shallow, and we were going to be in danger of perhaps a water shortage. Is that? The, and all of a sudden, we got very heavy rains, and we were saved from that. Is the desalination plant uh, as a response to that? Yeah, Wing Mo, uh, we, had, we, we heard earlier that 2011 was the year of drought. And, and Mark, first of all, thank you for your question, Mark. We love that. We love it. Uh, Wing Mo, was that 2011? Was that part of the plan because we did have a drought in that year? Was that driving some of the thinking? I, 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 I didn't remember the, the figure, but I think um, um, I, I, I don't know. Probably Fred was no more about the the background for, for building the desalination plant. I think, um, um, no, I, I don't remember. Uh, 2018, okay, that was a news story, uh, I think, in the South Town Morning Post on May 31st. I remember that day because a reporter called me on that day, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a photo of a dry reservoir, 
and then they think, I mean, somehow the report, okay, uh, linked to this idea, okay, was, was somehow linking that dry arrest of a bat, okay, to drugs in Hong Kong. Unfortunately, it's, it's a misunderstanding. It was a irrigation reservoir. It is not yeah. a drinking water reservoir. Okay, right. It, it, must be, it must be Lao Sui Hang, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, picture, the picture was telling a false story. Yes. Okay. And a false alarm. False alarm. False so alarm. False, false alarm, Mark. There's your answer, and we appreciate you calling in today. We also appreciate having had on our show today Dr. Frederick Lee, Executive Director of Center for Water Technology and Policy at the University of Hong Kong, and Lung Wing Mo, the former Assistant Director Director at the Hong Kong Observatory. Very solid guest today to tackle our issue. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on Backchat. Okay, thank you, Andrew. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. All right, continuing on Backchat, Jim Gould and I are speaking now to Clement Chan Cam Wing, who is the chairman of the Consumer Council, where all your, all your complaints uh, end up under people in his domain. Good morning, Clement Chan. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you on the show. You've had you and uh, the, the people down at the Consumer Council have had their hands busy with the uh, Tatler X slash Inter Miami slash Messy Mess. Um, uh, can you just tell us, give, give us an update on what the numbers are like in terms of kind of numbers, people, people ringing the phone at your office? Right. As of uh, 7.35 this morning, we have received uh, 547 uh, complaints, out of which uh, 86 were coming from uh, visitors and 461 uh, from Hong Kong, uh, from people living in Hong Kong. And uh, the amount of uh, the complaints uh, totaling 3.6 million. And the average uh, amount of uh, per, per complaint is about 6,600. And the highest uh, claims so far, the highest uh, complaint, uh, the, the, the complaint that got the highest amount is uh, 24,000. And um, that's about it. That's the number. What, so, sorry, 2.6 million. What was that? 3.6 million. 3.6. Sorry, 3.6 million what? Like people phoned your office with complaints or sent in complaints? I think that's, that, no. that's the amount of money involved. Yeah. Oh, of money. Okay, great. Right. Yeah. I was like, yeah. wow, that's a lot of complaints. <laughs> right. So sorry, So because like, I've seen a lot of numbers in the media, and I mean, I guess it depends on when they were issued, but 750 complaints, 800 complaints. But what what is it up to now? 547, as far as we, we uh, consumer council is concerned. Okay. And, and now the, the council is advising uh, people who are making a complaint to to uh, keep their ticket stubs. And and, and, and what else are you telling them to do? I guess um, uh, that's the basic step that uh, we've been telling people. At least you know, try to keep the stop of the mm. ticket, and uh, and when they make the uh, complaints, well, uh, it, it will be it will be more informative and helpful if uh, they could tell us uh, what's their complaint uh, about, and um, and you know, we we're trying to work on uh, the 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 uh, follow up with uh, with the organizers, Tetla. You might not be surprised that we've got a, not only are you getting a lot of calls and emails, we're getting a lot of emails today here at Backchat from TC who says, I find the idea of paying premium money, especially on the secondhand market, to watch an exhibition game to be absurd. It was reported that one of the, quote, victims, uh, unquote, spent over $20,000. That amount of money can get you a ticket to watch Inter Miami play a regular season game in Vancouver in May, along with travel and accommodation. Or better yet, go to Miami and watch their season opener on the 21st of February. This incident shows me that there are a lot of people willing to be suckered in Hong Kong. Um, Clement, 
is this is this I mean if people have that much money to spend on football is this something the consumer council needs to address I mean you, you guys are dealing with problems with like carcinogens in our food uh, is is football does does a football match need to be at the top of your list even though it's a big uh, issue it, it, it kind of surprises me as well you know when I looked at the uh, the price range that the people's been paying for uh, for for that match uh, well well you pointed out it's, it's exceptionally high for for a football match yeah, and I, I think an ex- an Messi, match. you know, the, his reputation, his status in the uh, circuit, actually, you know, sort of uh, uh, the main reason for the attraction. Okay, so Mike, Mike says it, it has been reported that Lionel Messi's happy demeanor in Japan was strikingly obvious compared to how he acted in Hong Kong. Another slap in the face. Who invited him and or paid him? I think that's well known by now. Uh, <laughs> whoever who invited him to come should be fired or give Hong Kong back its tax dollars spent for this inept attempt. In F to tense to give us some football relevance. Messi surely didn't give us any $16 million. Really. Um, does Consumer Council get involved just whenever somebody didn't get their, their value for money? Uh, well, when uh, when a consumer uh, feels that uh, there is a foul play and uh, if the merchant is not doing their bit uh, at the end of the the, uh, the, the the deal, the commercial deal, the transactions, they could raise that uh, with with us. And obviously, we need to look at the facts of, from a case to case basis to decide whether there is uh, merit for for us to take up uh, the case for the consumer and and. And there are two options. One one option for us is try to uh, to seek for mediation for the consumer, or uh, if uh, if it's a, a worst case that uh, uh, apparent or very clear foul play is involved, then we will pass it on to the uh, law enforcement agent. Mm. Sure. Cause, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people are at the game, uh, hoping that they'll be able to get their their money back uh, somehow. They feel obviously they feel like they they've been uh, shortchanged because the the main star attraction, of course, didn't appear. So, um, what what would you say would be their prospects of uh, getting a refund at this stage? Uh, I guess. Uh uh, well, there there are two directions that we could look at. One is uh, on the uh, on the um, uh, the um, trade. Um, 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 What's it called? The trade publicate, uh, the trade trade descriptions uh, ordinance. Uh, yeah, trade yeah. description ordinance. Yeah. And uh, and under that, uh, if uh, if a merchant is uh, is holding out to sell something on a very clear basis, and at the end, if uh, they fail to deliver it, then that's one one way to 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 go after them. Mm-hmm. And the other is obviously uh, when when someone is buying something, you know, it, it already construct a. Uh, a contract, and one one needs to look at you know whether whether the uh, parties entering into the contract are doing the bit to uh, to fulfill uh, the, the the spirit and the um, uh, item being agreed on the contract, and and if if one party is is uh, failing to do that to frustrate it for some reason, then uh, that that will be another possible way to look at it. But the second. The second way is that uh, we need to find out more details between the um, the organizers and the Miami uh, sort of contract to 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 really assess whether there 
is a case to follow. I mean, is Tatler X going to complain to the Consumer Council they didn't get their money's worth? I mean, <laughs> I mean presumably, okay, no, I mean, and I, I guess Consumer Council, I would imagine a lot of what you have to do is manage people's expectations. I'm sure that somewhere, uh, you know, you're paying to go see a football match. You're not going to pay to see Messi as much as you might think that is the case. People are in the news today because they're trying to organize a class action lawsuit against Tatler. But class action lawsuits aren't even legal in Hong Kong. I mean, people have ridiculous expectations about what they think they should be able to do. Are you having to say to people in this case, hey, you know, did you read the fine print when you bought the ticket? I, I, I guess that's a very good point. I, I, I think the, uh, the, the gist of it is that uh, people are, have bought a ticket for a football match. Uh, between Hong Kong team and uh, and Inter Miami, and Inter Miami did play, you know, in that football match. But the the fine details, you know, uh, like like what I pointed out uh, earlier, if uh, if there was a case like uh, if if the organizer had been holding out uh, very clearly that uh, that uh, Messi will be part of the match, and that that is uh, you know uh, clearly uh, shown on all the uh, Promotion ticket and everything, then there might be a breach on the um, on the um, trade um, ordinance. But 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 if 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 um, the details is is like uh, they only mention Messi might be part of the match and and the match did you know sort of go on uh, you know uh, as as planned, then uh, the obviously the chances of going after. Uh, for for failing to deliver the the end of the uh, the contract is less. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, uh, Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez uh, were prominently featured in the promotional material, weren't they? So I mean, would uh, you know, would the would the fans who'd gone to the stadium have a, a reasonable expectation that they would appear on the pitch at some stage? Yeah, because they, they them and two other guys were like in every poster, every cut out cardboard and they were definitely not in eight point font in the fine print <laughs> yeah, yeah clement, so clement which which has precedence in this case clement i mean you're, you're told you're going to go to the football match you've got giant posters and cutouts of these guys <clears throat> versus an eight point font or six point font somewhere uh, you know that says oh, maybe they won't all play <laughs> i mean which which takes precedence when you're when you're trying to think about this could you say that again, please? I mean, so you've got, you've got, on one hand, the fine print in the legal contract when they're buying the ticket says, oh, you're going to see this game and you get what you get and, you know, we can't guarantee any of the conditions. But then the top level marketing is, you know, pictures of all the stars that you're going to see, even though it doesn't promise you that they're going to come. Which one takes precedent? When you're the consumer counsel looking at this, is it the legal minutiae that nobody reads or is it the top line marketing that everybody buys into? Uh, I guess uh, there's a balance there. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a very fine point. Uh, we need to talk to our lawyers, first of all, to see whether there's a case to follow on the, uh, on the fine print uh, protection. And then, um, and then um, uh, but if the, the, the organizers or the promoters have been, um, have been un unfairly, you know, sort of uh, saying, you know, that is uh, a major you know, sort of part of the game, then failing to deliver that might, might need some sort of uh, consequences as well. Uh, are there any uh, lessons from the consumer point of view uh, from this episode? 
Absolutely. I think uh, when one, you know, sort of uh, uh, parting significant money for, for a transaction, one need to look at all the, you know, sort of uh, details and the terms and conditions that uh, they are entering into. And I guess uh, it's not just lesson for uh, for the consumers. It's also lesson for the organizers as well. When, uh, when, when you talk about, you know, mega event like that, I think organizers need to uh, uh, think very... Uh, uh, detailly about you know the uh, what the contingency plan as well. What if uh, the 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 um, plan um, uh, didn't didn't go as, uh, as 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 well as they thought? Then what what should they be doing? You know, in order to uh, salvage the situation. It, it does make it a little more complicated that government funding was involved. Uh, supposedly, Tatler is going to. Uh unapply for it. I'm not exactly sure what the mechanism is there. Chi sends us an email and says, the public should call on the government to put pressure on the organizer to refund at least 50% and not merely hide behind the veil of commercial decision. If the government wasn't involved, wouldn't this just be a commercial decision? Tyler would have to take the beating for organizing this. Maybe it would hurt their future business prospects. They have to think about who their real customers are. Probably the people that paid $150,000 to go for a meet and greet the day before the match as was reported in some outlets. I mean, does it, does it make it more complicated because government money was involved? Uh, I, the initial feeling, the initial sort of a view, my initial view would be exa- uh, uh, exactly like that. If government sponsorship is not there, then, then it's, it's much difficult to, uh, to follow up unless, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fraud committed by, by the organizer uh, for, the, uh, uh, for, for organizing that. But obviously it's not, you know, the match did go on. And uh, and only that you know the the thing that fall under uh, or behind uh, below the expectation is uh, the disappearing the Messi and uh, and um, Soraz was not were, were not playing in that match. Okay, uh, Mr. Chan. I mean, this is obviously the you know, the, the big uh, story of the moment, but but actually, but of course, uh, the Consumer Council uh, works in uh, many other areas uh, over the course of the year, and uh, uh, and yesterday uh, you produced your report on 2023 said uh, the council had seen a, an 11% increase in complaints uh, during last year from the year before. Um, so so um, um, how do you account for that increase? Um, well, um, the, w- the yearly total actually had increased uh, by 11%, like what you said, but mm-hmm. that, that figure actually includes some, some cases whereby uh, the complaints were about um, consumers uh, bought something on the online platform, uh, which is a registered Hong Kong uh, company, but uh, the actual operation is in China. So if we take away those, the actual complaints involving Hong Kong consumers uh, about transactions done in Hong Kong were 31,000 instead of 34,000. 34, that will be around you know, 10% increase from last year. Huh. And, so yeah. about 10% of your complaints are people from the mainland complaining about mainland companies. Is it because they, they've bought something like from Taobao or some kind of a service in China that they weren't happy with the service? 1%. One, 1%. It, oh, it, okay. it, it it kind of reduced from eleven uh, percent to ten percent if we take away that that part. Got it. Which okay. I guess is reasonable. I mean, if I'm in Canada and I order something from the U.S. and it doesn't come, there's a chance I could call the local 
consumer counsel to complain about it. Um, uh, do you think is it? Do you think that there's actually more problems with customer service, or do you think that, um, or do you think people are just becoming more strident, or are they just becoming whiny? I, I think we're just looking at the reality. The reality is uh, online shopping is becoming more popular. And and uh, right now, you know, out of that 31,000 uh, cases, we're talking about uh, 12,000 something uh, on on uh, uh, on the uh, online shopping. And when you're talking about online shopping, it made up about 41% of our uh, total total uh, complaints already now. I, I'm and I am only expecting it to go uh, higher, you know, as as we go as, as time goes by. Were those complaints about goods not arriving or not being as described? Or, or? Yes, uh, the nature of the complaint mainly is about uh, late arrival, non-delivery or loss of goods. That's that's number one uh, nature of uh, the, the the nature of the complaints, and the other is about you know the variation termination of the contract without you know sort of a proper notification, and then the third one is about the price and and charges disputes. Mm, I, I, you know we're looking at it. I know a lot of our uh, most of our listeners, of course, are here in Hong Kong and might be familiar with this, but you know we do have some international listeners, and they might not be familiar with. Uh, uh, scams, the catty to tail scams and powder grinding sales tactics. Tell us a little bit about that. Give us a little Hong Kong flavor. Uh, that one is uh, the old tricks. You know, we 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 refer those uh, mainly to do with uh, uh, related to the Chinese medicine shop. Uh, when consumers, uh, when visitors came to Hong Kong, particularly visitors, but but still, you know, there's some sort of local consumers being uh, uh, trapped in as well. Uh, when they went to shopping uh, at the Chinese medicine shop, and uh, the the price quality quoted by the merchants uh, actually when they first quoted they didn't specify it was to do with uh, the kitty or uh, the tail and uh, and obviously you know the consumers were thinking of uh, uh, it was the price of per, per kitty but it turned out to be per tail and then uh, before they they realized it the merchant already cut it or, or grind it into powder so they they had no way to get out of it and then they were forced to pay for uh, the higher prices. That, that is uh, what we refer to. Kind of one, uh, a Hong Kong classic. There, there we yeah. go. Oh, not not yeah. in a good way. Um, I, thank you very much for joining us on the show today, uh, Clement Chan from the Consumer Council. Always interesting because you're talking about things that matter to people in their day-to-day lives. Um, and even the big stories a day like the messy mess. Uh, So thank you very much for joining us. That's Clement Chan, Cam Wing, the chairman of the Consumer Council. Uh, And we've got a final word on that I'm going to give to John, uh, who's giving some communications advice to Inter-Miami. He refers us to a video, a YouTube video, where Ronaldo apologizes after injury prompts his postponement of Al Nasser's Heenet Friendlies. John, maybe you can put that on our Facebook page. And he says, this is how Messi should have dealt with his no-show, maybe with an interpreter, with sincerity, a touch of class, and some humility. Never a bad policy when you are apologizing. I'll try to remember that next time I'm having to apologize to my wife. And that's been our show today on Bag Chat. Uh, we're going to be back on the airwaves tomorrow with Janice Wong and a rare uh, midweek appearance by Mike Rouse. Uh, thank you very much, Jim. Been a great show today. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah nice we should we should yeah. do this more often. Sure. Uh, thank you very much. Also, thank you to our producer, Raphael Bet and our audio engineer, Tsang Wing Ming. This has been Bag Chat on RTHK Radio 3.